Hare Krishna. My name is Anutama Das. I am a member of the Governing Body Commission of ISKCON and also serve as the Communications Minister. And I've been asked to host this very special session of the GBC SPT broadcast, where we're looking at a whole series of conversations with many different senior devotees about the seven purposes of ISKCON that Prabhupada had included in his original incorporation documents that, that actually started the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. I was just reading actually yesterday in the Srila Prabhupada Lilamrita about how that whole event happened. And Prabhupada had made a contact with a local lawyer in the Lower East Side, and he just came to one of the programs one night at 22nd Avenue. And Prabhupada, Prabhupada asked him, okay, now please, so you tell everyone what you want to do. And he stood up and explained that we're incorporating and uh, and asked the devotees to, to sign the document. So Prophet had worked with him in advance to see what was the statements within that incorporation. And they include the seven purposes of, of ISKCON. So today, this is, a, as I mentioned, a special part of a whole series. And we're very honored to have a special guest speaker, His Holiness Radhana Swami. I'm speaking to you from Washington, D.C. Maharaj is in the Chicago area. But uh, by the grace of uh, Zoom and streamlining and all that, so many of us were keeping touch with each other through modern technology. So, Maraj, thank you very much for being with us today. Very grateful to, to have you here. Thank you, Anutama Prabhu. I am so grateful to be in your association. And hopefully we will have the association of many Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis around the world that are, want to tune in live or perhaps come back and hear some of the recording. So today we wanted to specifically, Marge, look at the purpose number three. As I mentioned, there's seven purposes. Uh, let me read the first one, which is one I find kind of all-encompassing and the work that I do in communications. I, I really, I love to share this with people because I think it's so broad and so inclusive. It's such a wonderful statement. And then we'll go look at this uh, uh, purpose number three, which we want to particularly look at today. So here's the first one that Prabhupada had in the registration of ISKCON. To systematically propagate spiritual knowledge to society at large and to educate all peoples in the techniques of spiritual life in order to check the imbalance of values in life and to achieve real unity and peace in the world. And I find that striking in so many ways because Prabhupada's using words that these days are very popular systematically. You know, I don't know if there was a lot of talk about systems analysis and things like that in the 60s. So he, even in the language he chose, he was way ahead of time and talking about educating all peoples. It wasn't certain peoples. It wasn't just the people in New York or people in India, but all peoples. And then the, the final goal he mentions to achieve real unity and peace in the world. It's such a beautiful, beautiful statement. So let's look at number three and then we can have a conversation because this is something that you're well known particularly in your, your emphasis on this, uh, on this third purpose. So I'll, I'll read this one, then we can start a conversation. Number three, to bring the members of the society together with each other and nearer to Krishna, the prime entity, thus to develop the idea within the members and humanity at large that each soul is part and parcel of the quality of Godhead Krishna. Maybe I can read it one more time. To bring the members of the society together with each other and nearer to Krishna, the prime entity, thus to develop the idea within the members and humanity at large 
that each soul is part and parcel of the quality of Godhead, Krishna. Again, such beautiful, beautiful foundational purposes for us. So, Maharaj, looking first maybe just at the whole, the seven purposes in general, um, why do you feel, are, are they important? Is it, some, is it still relevant today? It's some 54 years since these were, were, were put together as our incorporation documents. How important is it? A lot of times I, I've been with devotees and I mentioned the seven purposes and they kind of, you get a blank stare. What are the seven purposes? So are, are these important? Is it just some part of our history? Do you think it's uh, something that we should uh, think about and, 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 and plan around today? What, what are your thoughts, Marge? I really appreciate Anutama. You just describe these seven purposes as foundational to ISKCON. Um, Srila Prabhupada is our founder Acharya. That means he's the origin. In one sense, he's the one who found us. <laughs> he's bringing us to Krishna. So, you know, to keep him in the center of our movement and our purpose is so important because he's the founder Acharya. And these seven purposes are foundational to what he is giving us and what he's expecting us to give priority to. Um, in one sense, being foundational principles um, whatever plans we make, whatever decisions, whatever actions or words, they should be in harmony with these foundational principles. Um, it wasn't something that Srila Prabhupada just thought of when he was incorporating ISKCON um, in the League of Devotees, something that he established many, many years before in India, the same essential purposes were there stated. Um, and in Srila Prabhupada Lilamrita by His Holiness Satsarupa Swami Maharaj, um, he writes through his research that Srila Prabhupada was thinking about incorporating ISKCON even when he was living in the Bowery. Mm. So this was something that was very thoughtful. And when Srila Prabhupada established ISKCON so that um, this movement would be sustained and, and flourish for generations and generations and generations in the future, he gave us these foundational principles, which very much include the essence of the philosophy of Krishna consciousness. So when you say that we will flourish, he gave us these to help us flourish. Does that imply that if we don't keep these foremost, that we may not flourish? <laughs> we, we flourish when we endeavor in harmony with Srila Prabhupada's will. And this is very much the desire in which he wanted us to spread Krishna consciousness and to share Krishna consciousness with each other. I've never heard it described as you did. And I, I jotted it down. I think it's wonderful. When we talk about Prabhupada being the founder of Acharya, we discuss that and look at it in different ways, but I've never heard anyone say that 
he's the founder because he found us. I think that's really wonderful. And and he did. He 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 we underwent so many sacrifices for so many years, so many struggles. And he came to the West. He didn't know what to expect. And then he literally found people to help him become devotees and to help take on the responsibility for moving there. When, when he went back to India and he found people there and he went to Europe and he found people there. So I, I like that a lot. That's a great, great, great way of looking at it. We're all children of Krishna. And our real home is with Krishna in Krishna consciousness. And somehow or other in this material world, we're lost. We lost from Krishna and we're we're trying to find our the, the true happiness that we're looking for, but we're just lost in this foreign land. And on behalf of Krishna and our Guru Parampara, Srila Prabhupada came and he found lost souls to bring us back home to Krishna. It makes me think of uh, that very beautiful Christian hymn, Amazing Grace. I was lost, but now I'm found. So, yeah, and, and Prabhupada's the founder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he's asked all of us to, um, to, to find people who are lost in this world on his behalf. So he is the founder and he found us both. And he's the Acharya because he's teaching us by his example and by his words how to come back home to our original natural um, nature, which is loving devotional service to Krishna. So Maharaj, in your role as a GBC, looking at that for a minute, um, you oversee a lot of projects. And again, just keeping in mind the whole seven purposes, and then we'll look at this third one. I mean, is it something you've mentioned it's important for all of us to know these, to understand them, apply them because it's connecting to our founder. Do you think also in a practical way, is this something that devotees in their roles as community members or temple leaders or temple presidents, is this also something that should remain very much a part of what they're focusing on and their services in addition to our spiritual connection to Prabhupada, is it some practical guidance there too? Yes, um, the spirit of these seven purposes is really um, encapsulates um, Srila Prabhupada's message to our society and to the world. Those that are not familiar with the seven purposes, I'll just, just briefly touch the first one as I read all of it, to systematically propagate spiritual knowledge, etc., achieve real unity and peace. The second one, abbreviating, to propagate a consciousness of Krishna. Third purpose, which we'll get to in just a moment, to bring all the members of the society together and nearer to Krishna. Oh, they're putting on the screen, wonderful. At least that was the third one. The fourth one is to teach and encourage the Sankirtan movement, congregational chanting. The fifth is to direct for the members and society at large a holy place of transcendental pastimes. I know I've, I'm interviewing Ambarish on Tuesday to talk about that one, erecting transcendental holy places. The sixth to teach a more bring the members together, which is it's actually in three and six. Three says to bring the members of society together and nearer to Krishna. Six says, bring the members together 
for the purpose of teaching a more simple way of life, more natural way of life. And then seven, with a view towards achieving all of these aforementioned purposes, to publish and distribute periodicals. So Srila Prabhupada really did condense a lot. And as you said, that the foundational foundational ideas and, and vision and, and principles, particularly principles for all of us. So then important for leaders, ordinary devotees, new people, everyone really you're, you're feeling should be aware of these and, and, and have them be pivotal, foundational for all of us as well then. Um, yes, the, the spirit of, of what Srila Prabhupada has given us in these seven purposes is, is really integrated in everything we do. Hmm. Trying to be followers in Krishna consciousness and trying to spread Krishna consciousness. Wonderful. Well, let's, let's turn to number three, which is the one we've particularly been asked to take a look at. And I'll read this one in full one more time because it's the focus of our conversation. And it's going to be popped up on the screen again in a minute. To bring the members of the society together with each other and nearer to Krishna, the prime entity, thus developing the idea within the members and humanity at large, that each soul is part and parcel of the quality of Godhead Krishna. So, Maharaj, just some thoughts from you. What, what catches your attention about this? Um, let me look at it again. Yeah, well, let me ask our producers who are offline from us. Well, we know they're, they're, they're doing all kind of mystical things. If you can just keep this on the screen for a while. Maharaj, can you also see that on your screen? They, don't, they, they, they can't get every line there, but most of it's there. You see it there? I, I can see it in front of me here better. That's better. <laughs> the Srila Prabhupada, as His Holiness Bhakti Charu Swami Maharaj, who we are all um, mourning the loss of his physical association but we're very much taking shelter of the spirit of his love and devotion to Srila Prabhupada and compassion upon all of us. He, he was personally there with Srila Prabhupada um, at the time of Srila Prabhupada's you know, last weeks, last months in this world, and saw and heard Srila Prabhupada's concern that we show our love for him by how we cooperate. Hmm. And cooperate to, to spread this mission you know, throughout the world. And that cooperation um, is very much what's, what's being defined here in this purpose, that to bring the members of the society together um, with each other and nearer to Krishna. So that's really such an important foundational principle for the idea of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. In one sense, it's a definition. <laughs> international, mm. and we're a society, and, and 
we're we're coming together nearer to each other mm. on the basis of helping each other to become nearer to Krishna. In other words, um, being the servant of the servant of the servant is what it's really saying. We're all rising above our differences, maybe differences of race or nationality or sex or previous religious convictions. We're coming together despite our different um, you know, natural ways of thinking. Um, we're coming together for a higher principle and that's to bring each other nearer to Krishna. And simultaneously, when we come closer together, we become nearer to Krishna. In helping, in helping our brothers and sisters within ISKCON to be nearer to Krishna, we become nearer to Krishna. Now, in order to do that, we have to rise above our false egos, which are always separating us from everybody else and trying to prove myself to be something greater and trying to prove that I have priorities over others. That's the nature of the false ego. But to come together as a society to bring each other nearer to Krishna is, is really at the very heart of what our movement is, wherein, um, you know, my relationship with all the devotees is to serve, to bring people closer to Krishna. Srila Prabhupada gave that example of when you throw a stone in a pond, if, if each stone goes to the same place in the pond, all the, all the circles that emanate from that stone will be in harmony. But if you throw different stones in different places, all the circles will collide. So similarly, there needs to be a common center. And Srila Prabhupada's not just saying, put Krishna in the center, but he's giving a practical way of how to do that, to help bring each other closer to Krishna, because Krishna is in the center. By helping each other to be Krishna conscious, that's actually the practical way we put Krishna in the center. And then Srila Prabhupada, in this third purpose, he describes it's not only for our movement, but it's for all of humanity. In other words, he, he, he's, if, if we see this, this purpose chronologically, first we have a society where Krishna is in the center and we actually learn to relish serving one another to put Krishna in the center. And then we extend, we expand to all humanity to give, to, to give the same principle. And the basis, the very basis of this whole idea is the conclusion of this purpose that we know that every living being is part and parcel of Krishna. We are not these bodies. We are not the designations of these bodies. We're eternal souls. And what's the nature of the soul? Aham Brahmasmi. We're not just eternal spiritual beings, but we're jivetaswarapoy krishnerinityadas. The truest, deepest nature of the living entity 
is that we're part of Krishna. We're eternal servants of Krishna. We all have the quality of Krishna, like a sun ray is of the same quality as the sun planet. And um, to understand this, we're all the children of the same God. Krishna is all attractive, and therefore every part and parcel of Krishna is, a, is an aspect of Krishna's supreme attraction. And when we see ourselves and all of the devotees within our society, of our, our movement, and then we see all humanity and ultimately all living beings as qualitatively one with Krishna, then um, we actually are in a place where we can learn to love Krishna and we could actually have the power of our Guru Parampara. We have the divine grace of Srila Prabhupada with us to awaken that love of Krishna in others. You mentioned Lilamrita. I had I, said earlier that in our, our conversation, I've been rereading. I just reread volume one back to back twice, and now I'm reading volume two. And one thing that struck me along what you're saying, thinking about your comments, that Prabhupada was having his programs, and first, of course, at Mishra's place and then the Bowery. But then at 26-Second Avenue, they were all coming together for the evening programs. And then he started, he was inviting those that were a little more serious. They were coming to the morning programs. And they did that for a couple of months before they went to Tompkins Square Park to do Sankirtan. And he led the party out. So just, I'm, I'm thinking that that what you're saying, that Prabhupada was emphasizing by how he cultivated his little community of followers to go deeper in their own Krishna consciousness, in, in, in the cultivation of their relationship with each other, and then when that was a little strong, then they were able to actually go out. And sometimes we do have a tendency to think it's all about going out, which is which is important. I mean, num number seven, you know, of distributing to, to achieve the aforementioned purposes to publish literature, etc. That's essential. Number two, propagate a consciousness of Krishna to propagate. Number one, to propagate. But I like what you said that really we have to, we can do that best and perhaps only when we cultivate that spirit of Krishna consciousness among ourselves. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes that becomes minimized. Well, just the words Prabhupada used, the international society for Krishna consciousness. And a society where everyone is in service to one another to put Krishna in the center and be conscious of Krishna, for pleasing Krishna. Um, you know, that's that's so much important. And when we read Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, you know, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, um, he had Kirtan at Srivasangam with the devotees first, and then he brought the Kirtan out to the public. And that's exactly what you described, how Srila Prabhupada established our movement. Nurturing inside, then going outside, and we do live in a larger world. Um, ISKCON is no longer just a group of people on 26 Second Avenue. It's no longer just a couple temples in India or one place in a few scattered countries. We're becoming quite large. You mentioned 
Bhakti Chumraj is passing and we all are observing that and feeling great grief in his separation. Such a wonderful, wonderful, loving devotee and, and someone who will set an example for us for, for many, many years. And in his leaving, outpours of appreciation from God brothers, from God sisters, from other spiritual organizations. Uh, one of the leaders of the Sri Vaishnava community has sent uh, some wonderful words of appreciation and from the chief minister of West Bengal. So we do as a society, we, we are interacting with the world at large. Um, Bhakti Chirmaj, he created his Abhay Charan video film series to help go out, let people know about Prabhupada. So looking at that context and, and these purposes for us to think about what's going on in the world today. You know, this is a 2020. There's a lot of strife. I mean, there always is. It's the material world, but it seems particularly difficult in many ways right now. And, you know, you and I are both here in the United States right now. There's there's more uh, discussion, debate, tensions around uh, racial strife than there has been for quite some time. At least it's come to the surface. It was there underneath, but it's very much come to the surface. There's, uh, you know, some ways people say the, the you know, stock market is doing great, but there's more people out of work and the, the whole financial situation is very shaky. We haven't talked about it in a, in, a, in a few weeks, really, in terms of what's on the headlines, but the environmental crisis has kind of been pushed aside by COVID-19. But I mean, there, there's big, big, big problems that are there. And I think a lot of intellectual people, a lot of people who engaged in the world and particularly a lot of young people, uh, they might hear us speak in and, and talk about, yeah, bring everybody together and learn to love Krishna. And it, 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 people may think of this kind of sounds like escapism or, or it sounds like, you know, you people who want to be in some kind of transcendent level. But we've got real problems here today and we need to fix those. And, and, and you people seem to be pretty irrelevant to what's really happening in our lives. How would you respond to someone like that? <laughs> in addition to your loving and compassionate way, what, what would you say to someone? Well, first of all, we were speaking about foundational. And if we go back to 1922, there was a foundational event um, that influenced all of us in the world were Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur Prabhupada um, gave his first instruction to our Srila Prabhupada to take the message of Lord Chaitanya, Krishna consciousness, to the Western world in the English language, you know, throughout the world. And at that time, Srila Prabhupada was an activist, a social activist, who was very dedicated to you know, Gandhi's movement for independence. And Srila Prabhupada questioned Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada that you know, how there's a social need that's pressing right now for independence. This, this spiritual thing, um, can wait until we actually solve this problem. And Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, you know, he planted the seed in Prabhupada's heart when he gave the explanation that politics 
environmental situations, I'm expanding on it a little, um, um, economic situations, they're always changing in this material world. But the truth is that we are all part of Krishna, that we are all coming from the same source. And that's the truth. And it, without solving that problem, all other problems we try to solve are superficial and unsustainable. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, birth, old age, disease, and death comes. Whichever political party or whatever the economic situation, still we have to die. What is the solution to the real problems of life? That's to awaken our true potential that we're eternal souls, part of Krishna, to love Krishna and to be an instrument of Krishna's compassion in whatever we do in this world. So, you know, that's a foundational principle of our movement. Um, and today, um, if people challenge in this way, we can, we can cite, um, because God is one, that the people who were the most influential um, in going against um, racism and going against um, persecutions were people who did it with the foundation of love for God. Um, in, in India, Mahatma Gandhi, you know, he was a very religious man in his own way, and he based his teachings on his understanding of Bhagavad Gita. Um, Nelson Mandela, he was a very devout Christian. Um, Martin Luther King was a reverend. He was a devout Christian. And even um, Malcolm X, he was a devout Muslim. So all of these personalities we find they had a spiritual foundation and the deeper our spiritual foundation is, the more empowered and sustainable will be the solutions that we help to bring to the world. And Krishna consciousness is going to the very innermost depth of of, of a connection to God. And when we actually have an experience of Krishna consciousness, vidyavanaya sampane brahmani gavihastini suni chaiva svapakecha pandita samadarshana, then we learn to see every living being with equal vision because we know my own our own relationship with Krishna, we can actually recognize everyone's relationship with Krishna. And then um, our the, the solutions we're endeavoring to make in this world are, are based on truth and compassion and they will, they will be sustainable and they will be truly encompassing physical, emotional, and spiritual. Ex explore that a little bit more, Maraj. When you say that our, our solutions will be, what did you say, spiritual? Last three words is spiritual. Did you say moral, I think? Spiritual, emotional, practical, something to that effect. 
because I think that's a, that's a big issue. I'd like to explore that with you because here, Prabhupada is talking about bringing the members together. He's emphasizing on bringing them together uh, with Krishna at the center. Um, and you're also, if I'm understanding you correctly, talking about how we need to do that in some kind of practical ways in the world as well. You, I think that's what you were saying. So you know, can you explain that a little bit more? <laughs> I'll try, Anutama Um Srila Prabhupada was an activist. Srila Prabhupada was a social activist. In fact, you know, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was such a social activist. You know, his his nonviolent um, revolution was was the prototype that that Gandhi tried to um, and, and, and after him, Martin Luther King, who gives credit to Gandhi, and Gandhi was was there following Mahaprabhu's footsteps. And Nelson Mandela, after that, they were all followers of Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and essentially that came from Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He brought out to the world a social revolution. It wasn't that he was just concerned with himself; he was concerned with society, and he was concerned with people suffering. Paradukha Dukhi. And Srila Prabhupada, in that spirit of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, was endeavoring, according to his capacity, to take Krishna consciousness to every town and every village throughout the world, not, not considering what one's what one's external identities may be, because he saw everyone as a spirit soul with the potentially potential to be Satchidananda full of knowledge and full of bliss. Um, so Srila Prabhupada was a social activist. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a social activist. And the Krishna consciousness movement really is a movement of social activism. And Srila Prabhupada in this um, first purpose that you cited is to teach values. <laughs> Um, let me go back to teach, to check the imbalance of values of life and achieve the unity and peace in the world. Um, this, is, this is social activism. There's an imbalance of values, and we have to check that by giving, you know, the positive alternative of, of values based on truth, values based on what everybody is ultimately looking for, happiness. And that will bring peace and unity to the world. Now, if we take these same spiritual principles based on this knowledge um, and apply it even to the social activism for more material solutions today, it gives a greater depth to that. Because in, in Krishna consciousness, um, especially for congregation, um, Srila Prabhupada taught, Lord Chaitanya taught, that whatever your occupation, add Krishna to it. Add these values of Krishna consciousness, of compassion to others, whether you're in business or politics, or whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or a mother or a father, Whatever it may be, if we're Krishna conscious and we perform our duties, then 
our duties are infused with Krishna's grace. So even if people are engaged in social activism because of certain um, external injustices, um, if we're infused with Krishna consciousness, we can make such a greater difference and actually, you know, through whatever channel our particular um, occupation or efforts may be, you know, we're, we're bringing the beauty, the grace, the sweetness, and the love of Krishna into that. Maharaj, when we were speaking the other day, I mentioned that uh, in my work in communications ministry, sometimes I've been to uh, animal rights conferences. We used to, in deep Washington, D.C., had booths there regularly telling people about what we're doing. We had the Higher Taste Cookbook. Jamuna's book was, you know, won so much awards when it was first published. We have uh, uh, the world's largest uh, free food distribution program, vegetarian food, so many things. We really made an impact there. And then also going sometimes to pro-life conferences, of course, you know, which is based on respect for the soul and conception coming into the womb at the time of conception protecting unborn children, sometimes going to environmental events. And oftentimes I would see that there would be uh, among their many, many options of, of sessions to attend and seminars. There always was one or two about how to deal with activist burnout. You know, the animal rights people getting burnt out and people trying to make political changes are getting burnt out. And I think in part with what, what, you, what you've just said is that if those people that are so motivated by these different you know, heartfelt desires to make the world better for, for human beings, for the planet, for animals, whatever. Um, if they have a spiritual foundation, going back to that point of foundation, that will actually empower them to, so, so when we speak to the activists, to be able to say to them, okay, you're an activist, great, make the world better, but please put a spiritual foundation there. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to help you make the ultimate, you know, the, 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 the uh, solution in the sense of, uh, uh, helping people attain a spiritual, spiritual, uh, spiritual solution, but also it's going to empower and inspire and give you strength to, to do what you are doing to try to make the world a better place in that way. So that that's kind of like the message for for those people that think that, that you're saying we should share. Um, <laughs> the Bhagavad Gita. Um, it, it's it was spoken to a social activist, Arjuna. Um, you know, Arjuna was out fighting this war um, to, to protect people from an imbalance of values. Mm -hmm. Duryodhana was envious and he was greedy and he was polluting the world with his mentality. And this whole battle was a battle of, of, of social activism. You know, Arjuna, you know, in, he was inclined to leave the battlefield and go to a cave to just practice his own Krishna consciousness. He didn't want to get involved in all these social complexities. Yeah. Krishna actually spoke the Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna so that he will be a social activist according to his occupation as a Kshatriya or a military person. He was meant to fight to reestablish, you know, these, these values within the society at large. Um, yes, Bhagavad Gita was very much spoken to Arjuna. Um, 
as a foundational principle for social activism. Duryodhana was doing the same type of fighting as Arjuna, but Arjuna and Yudhisthira, they were doing it, they were performing these duties with the knowledge of their true identity in relationship with God. They were doing it with compassion, um, whereas Duryodhana was doing it in an exploitative, egoistic way. So similarly, if social activists are actually lovers of God and seeing everyone in truth with equal vision, what, what a difference that will make. Otherwise, what we see throughout the world is oftentimes um, when the oppressed get power over the aggressors, then they become aggressors because the disease essentially is the false ego. I think that's a big motivation for people that take up a serious, a serious spiritual practice is when they have that realization, what you've just said very succinctly, that too often the people that are out of power or are being oppressed or exploited in some way, when they come on top, so to speak, they just turn around and do the same thing to other people, which is really pathetic. But we understand that's because, as you said so eloquently, that's because of the material disease. And if those people that are trying to make the world a better place, if they don't weed that out of their own heart, then eventually they're going to become part of the problem again. Unavoidable. Without the awakening of of the truth of our true identity and relationship with God and each other, then whatever solutions we make to the problems of the world are still superficial. And you were talking about people getting burned out. Um, and, and in your question, you gave the answer. When a house has a strong foundation, then, um, then even when storms come, the house stands. But with a weak foundation, when a storm comes, then the house crumbles. So this house, in a sense, is our values. And, and um, the storms are temptations and fears and the propensity for ego, arrogance. All these are storms, lust and envy and anger and greed and, and arrogance and illusion. These are storms that will come to everyone. And in order to preserve our values, our integrity through those storms, we need a strong spiritual foundation. Mars, there's a couple of questions coming up on chats about this term you're using, social activism. One or two devotees have said, what, what do you mean by that? And then a, a great comment by uh, Allegra Prabhu saying, it's, it seems that you're redefining or reclaiming social activism beyond the contemporary popular concept, which is in bringing it to a more deeply spiritually rooted sense of ethics and, and morality and advocacy keeps moving on my screen here for change that so it's cultural it's social it's political but in addition to that it, it's it's spiritual so is that something you think is important and is that maybe one of the messages of our our movement that uh social activism as currently defined is is uh maybe that was Srila Bhakti Saranta Saraswati Thakur's message to Prabhupada 
it's okay, but unless we broaden that definition, it, it's simply insufficient. <laughs> Thank you, Allegra. I'm so happy to be with you after a long time. Um, Srila Prabhupada, with great thought and attention and you know, through years of, of contemplation, compassion and prayers, he named our movement the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. And the word social and society are coming from the same place um, where we're interacting with one another. Um, our movement is a society where social activism, you know, the idea of preaching, the, the idea of outreach is, is social activism. And as I tried to explain, if we infuse that principle into, you know, other forms of social activism, then it gives something very meaningful and something so connected to truth because it's based on true compassion. Mm -hmm. So we have a message to carry and to share uh, with those people who are, who are inspired and, and, and making sacrifices to try to help address political inequality, economic inequality, racism, all these different issues that are there by adding this foundational aspect of a spiritual foundation, which is wonderful. What about as, it? Let's look as, at As yeah. you said, Uttama Prabhu, forgive me. No, um, you were talking about your connection with animal rights and other such um, social activist movements. And in Yamuna Devi's cookbook, <laughs> she took the platform of animal rights or vegetarianism to the 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 foundation the basis of that was um krishna consciousness mm -hmm. compassion to the soul within that animal to see that animal as our brothers and sisters how much of a deeper understanding there is in the social activism of vegetarianism when we actually um connect it to our spiritual relationship with all living beings. And this is the depth and substance of the values of what Bhagavad Gita and our Acharyas are giving us to share to the world with the world. One comment that they came in uh, looking at, at, at this kind of dichotomy you're pointing out of, of spiritually surcharged social activism and and other types of social activism you said often the people on the bottom get to the top and exploit again and and many times as it was commented there there's a win lose kind of a concept it, it's it's not so much we have to do this to uplift everybody but it becomes my party over your party or my gender over your gender or my race or my nation or my religion whereas as you're mentioning in the, in the very beginning that Prabhupada's third purpose to bring everyone together with the idea that everyone is connected to krishna so there's not a sense of winning and losing it really is based on this principle of, of of servant to all but i just we just got about maybe 12 
12, 15 minutes left. I want to I want to get to one related point that I think is very important to hear from your thoughts on this. We, we kind of talked about the importance of the purposes, the importance of this particular purpose for devotees and the message that we have for the world. Please add a spiritual concept, spiritual foundation to really make a difference. What about amongst our own community? Sometimes devotees will feel based on some of what you said before. Um, our mission is to give the spiritual knowledge. You know, there's other people who are taking care of the animals or taking care of the environment or dealing with political issues. And that's not us. We're just supposed to go out and give people Krishna consciousness, invite them to the temple, help them chant, help them learn how to offer their food, put deities in their house, and then go find more people. Um, so there seems to be a, a bit of a differences of opinion on that. And, and sometimes I know... Uh, you know, people even criticize those of us that kind of engage people uh, outside of, of the ISKCON society. Or I've, I've you know, heard people sometimes uh, will criticize some of the work that you've done. Sometimes people criticize, say, the, the Food for Life, uh, mid Hare Krishna, Food Relief, Midday Meals Program in India. We're feeding 1.2 million children a day, transcendental prashadam. Sometimes people say, well, that's not really what we're supposed to do, um, etc. You, you've heard some of these remarks. How do you, is the way to balance that? Is, is there some truth in both of those? Is, is one wrong, one's right? Is it just different people inspired by different things? How do, how do we, how do we, as Prabhupada said, bring everyone together with those types of differences of opinion, sometimes strongly held within ISKCON? How, how do you balance that with bringing us all together? <laughs> um, you gave the example of Prasad distribution. And of course, the Prasad distribution program was begun by Srila Prabhupada himself, where he was inviting people to, to in Mayapur and Brindaban, um, and even in every center um, of giving, you know, there, there's hunger. Srila Prabhupada, that famous story of when he saw little children fighting with, with, with dogs to get some scraps of garbage because they were so hungry. And, and Prabhupada was compassionate that, that no, you know, our temples should feed people, but feed people prasad. So, you know, in one sense, it's social activism. People were coming for food, but they were getting prasad and they were associating with devotees. So um, there was a spiritual intent of compassion to not just fill their bellies, but to fill their hearts and their souls with Krishna's grace. That was the intention of the devotees. And also through the process to give those people an opportunity for a spiritual awakening. While whether they understand it directly or not, they're getting spiritually awakened, you know, through the process of this apparent social activity of feeding the hungry. Um, so, you know, it, of course, this idea of yukta vairagya, you know, using the things of this world um, in Krishna consciousness in the service of Krishna, you know, needs to be very carefully um, understood and applied. And there are differences of opinion, as you explained. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, for people who were brahmacharis, um, sannyasis, 
you know, living in the temples, in the ashrams, you know, the, their purpose was very, very directly and specifically to, to purely give Krishna consciousness through book distribution, through Harinam Sankirtan, through lectures and through, through, through a beautiful temple programs and so forth. But, um, you know, in congregation, you know, congregation was in the Western world was not so developed during Srila Prabhupada's time, but in his books, he gave such a beautiful um, explanation of how um, grihastas, congregational people living, who are living within the society and very much responsible in their interactions with the society, how they can infuse those very activities with Krishna consciousness. Srila Prabhupada, famous statement, you know, he wanted Krishna conscious lawyers and Krishna conscious judges. Now, obviously, if you're a Krishna conscious judge, you're not just going to be you know, preaching Bhagavad Gita on the stand, but that's the basis of, of how you make your decisions. Bhakti Vinod Thakur was a Krishna conscious judge. <laughs> he was he was infused with Krishna consciousness and you know he was a social activist. You know, he 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 interacted by following the protocols of the courts but he was doing it with such a deep, compassionate, Krishna-conscious um, perspective. And, you know, how how great is Bhaktivinoda Thakur? Of course, he was writing literatures, and he was spreading the, the, the Namhata, and he gave, and he was the father of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada, such a great Acharya. But occupationally, he was a judge, um, living with the rules and interacting as a judge, but infusing it with Krishna consciousness. So I believe our congregation, if, if when becoming actually Krishna conscious, can spread love of God, to spread our movement, Lord Chaitanya's message, Srila Prabhupada's message, you know, through the medium of their occupations and their interactions with society. Raj, I remember as a new bhakta, I went to India in 1976, and I was assigned to the service that I was told, this is direct service for Srila Prabhupada. I said, okay, great. So this is exciting. What is it? So they told me in the morning after Mangal Arti, you have to go to the roof of the Lotus Building, first building there in Mayapur. And as the sun's coming up, you have to hold out your hand. And when you can see your hand, when there's enough light to see your hand, you have to run all around all of the floors, all the way down the building and turn off all the lights and all the hallways because Prabhupada doesn't want us to waste any energy. And I remember reading about how Prabhupada morning walks occasionally would, would at least on one occasion, maybe many, many, would kind of walk in on the sidewalk and notice that there was water dripping from some neighbor's faucet. He would walk over to the house and turn off the water. And he didn't stop while he was there and knock on the door and say, please chant Hare Krishna or tell the devotees, come back later and give them prasadam. That would have been nice too. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that every single thing we do as a person, uh, devotees in any ashram, but but it manifests in a unique way as, as grahastas especially, our whole life should be infused with Krishna consciousness. It's not that 
we get up, we chant our japa in the morning and we do some puja, we go to the temple and then the rest of the day is kind of like wasted until we come back at night. But that everything we do during the day, people should think about this person in the office. They, they, they're a little different. You know, they don't get as, they don't get angry <laughs> as much. They seem more respectful. Uh, they seem more concerned about uh, their fellow worker. And, 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 and for people that, well, why is it? And, and how is it? You, you people seem a little bit different. And I know like as parents, if one, someone's a grahasta, most, most grahasta is going to have kids. Kids means there's schools. Some of us, are, there's devotee schools. That some of us don't have that. But it's a natural thing for parents to be involved in their school and for them to bring some Krishna values into that, into that kind of discussion about what are they studying, how are they playing, how are they teaching the students. So just as an example, and I, I think just trying to reflect what I'm hearing from you, that in every aspect of our life, if we're a businessman, we should use those values you quoted from the first uh, purpose. Those values, should, we should be different the way we do business from other people. Of course, we still have to follow the laws that everybody does and all of that and pay taxes the same way. But that there should be a different quality. Just like Arjuna, you mentioned there was a different quality the way he fought. There was certainly a different quality the way Maharaj Yudhishthir ruled. There was a different quality the way Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a judge. And we should all be thinking like that. Not that there's a separation. I go to temple, you know, on Sunday and the rest of the week, what can I do? I'm a grahasta and I've got to deal with the world. No. The rest of the week, whatever I learned on Sunday should be applying to, to, to really make an impact through my using the term you you you, you highlighted and enlightened us so much. How can I be social, a social activist at, at work? How do I make my social environment a little more spiritually elevated? And how do I inject just a little bit of, of Krishna consciousness? And not even sometimes there's the opportunity directly to do that but sometimes just by the values by the fact that we live that we're peaceful that we're tolerant that we're respectful that those things can make a difference and you've really you've really taught that to so many so many of your of your followers i know i i visit this example back at the hospital i go at least once a year when i'm in india and you know some people may say well this is kind of a mundane thing as a hospital but even from that perspective, it's a hospital. You walk in, the first thing you see is Srila Prabhupada's Murtin. The first thing you hear is Srila Prabhupada's Kirtan. And when you go, if you're in one of the rooms and Lord Jagannath is brought around, and if you eat, everything's offered to, to the deity. So from those that want to have a, you know, have a sense that everything needs to be directly spiritualized, it is. And for those that are saying we need to be social activists and help people on this plane, we are because we're taking care of the body, take care of the mind and their soul. So I, I, I personally, uh, a big fan of a lot of what, what you've done and, and what your disciples and people that are, uh, appreciating this type of insights have done. So, so thank you very much for that. Marsh, we just got a little bit of time left. I'm, I'm curious if you might want to share in this general context of, of community, maybe some of the most important lessons you feel we should all imbibe. You've talked about us bringing together Prabhupada's purpose, bringing the members together, creating community, what would you think some of the key ways of, of being successful in that are, or maybe some things we should avoid and just we'll, we'll wrap it up in just a couple of minutes here. <laughs> I know it's a big topic, but just a, a few little more tidbits of some sutras for us. Srila Prabhupada, he told us that he personally shed buckets and buckets of blood to bring each and every person to Krishna consciousness. Um, 
so each devotee within our movement um, is is Srila Prabhupada's child and and all of us in whatever roles we may play within our society, we're all entrusted to take care of each other. Um, you know, Srila Prabhupada in, in, in several lectures with great emotion, he looked out at the devotees and even the guests. <laughs> And the devotees and guests were not pure devotees. They, you know, many of the devotees were, were struggling. Were not, um, were not necessarily as strict as they should be. But Srila Prabhupada looked out at all of us, and he said that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, has sent all of you. You are all representatives. You are all representatives of my Guru Maharaj. That's how Srila Prabhupada saw all of us. And um, that is how he expected us to interact and to deal with each other. Um, respect, compassion. Um, you know, if Sometimes devotees are doing very well in Krishna consciousness. Sometimes devotees are struggling in Krishna consciousness. Sometimes devotees go astray. But still, Prabhupada shed buckets and buckets of blood for each of these devotees and, and how we should um, really strive to do whatever is within our power to, to inspire, to protect, to care for the devotees. And, and this, and this, I believe Srila Prabhupada was not just talking about the people in the room at that time, but he was talking about all generations within his movement. Maharaj, I just got a direct message from God, who for us is the director of the program, at least for now, manifesting divine power, sending us messages, and they can make time expand and they can make time shrink. So I'm wondering if, if 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 you if you have the time we didn't I didn't ask you this ahead of time if if you might be able to go a few minutes longer there's a couple other questions maybe we can we can discuss do you, do you have some flexibility in your schedule <laughs> I am the servant of you Anutama Prabhu and I'm so grateful for the strategic planning um sangam for organizing these wonderful events yeah, there are many, and and let's take a moment to encourage the devotees to, to, uh, to be aware of what's going on. If if somehow you've heard about this one, there's there's many conversations going on with the SPT team, and and other leaders and 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 people uh, devotees around the world. So there's a series on the seven purposes, but there's many many discussions. So uh, I'll follow in your footsteps again and ask everyone to pay attention. Raj, one one question that's come up. Maybe we can just look at this and then and then we'll we'll see where we go from here. Um, talking about community, and community means having something in common, something that is is held communally dear. And and you've emphasized in the very beginning how these seven purposes play part of that role for us because they're foundational. We're all standing on the same foundation, the same purposes. Prophet gave them. He found each of us. He brought us in. So 
Community means bringing together, and sometimes we have to deal with things that push us apart as well. And you talked about there may be diversities of understanding of, of how to apply even this, this sense of building community. So one question that's come up from a couple a couple comments on, on the chat box is looking at ISKCON in a contemporary sense. And we know Prabhupada describes in the fourth canto when Acharya leaves, all kinds of disruptions come. And we know ISKCON went through some difficult times. Um, not a surprise, but but by Krishna's grace and Prabhupada's grace, we're still a strong movement. We're growing in so many ways. Um, now we have expanded it all over the world. And we're also seen, as, as we mentioned earlier, very saddened by the departure of Bhakti Trumaraj, Tamal Krishnamaraj before him, Bhakti Trumaraj before him, Gogovinda Maharaj, Bhakti Stup Maharaj, many, many, many Prabhupada's direct disciples that have now left our, our physical presence. Um, which means that you know the need for and maybe the the pressures against staying together maybe maybe stronger in, in the future and one way it seems to kind of manifest and someone put up this this term we hear sometimes you know guru groupism or or, or this the tendency sometimes for devotees to identify with a particular diksha guru their diksha guru and kind of think that um you know this is my primary and maybe essential maybe only identity as, as a disciple of this particular guru and i want to work on his particular projects of being his in the, the temple that he may be closely most closely aligned with and sometimes i know from my travels we hear that that really undermines the cooperation that you you've emphasized that Prabhupada wanted us to have so maybe you can share some reflections on that how do we avoid that i i, I just said this i've seen from my experience i think it's kind of a a common thing. It's almost if I can make an example when, you know, a young prophet often would make examples, the Shastra does too, about material relationships and reflections. You know, when a young boy, young girl have some relationship for a while, they're all kind of starry eyed and the world's all about that person and everybody else doesn't count. You know, they forget their mother, they forget the father, they forget their friends. But when the relationship becomes more mature, you know, people get married and then, and then they have a very close relationship husband and wife is a very special relationship but it, in, it, it includes and incorporates everyone else has a, a role to play it's you don't ignore other people when they're more mature and in the beginning days sometimes that relationship it, it's it's all about it's you and me against the world kind of thing so it seems from what i've seen sometimes that happens with devotees so in a sense it's it's kind of a natural thing but as we mature i think we're meant to see yes i have a special relationship with my diksha guru but as is taught in the disciple course, I also have a relationship with my many six-year gurus, the temple president and the senior devotees. And I definitely have a relationship with the founder, Charya. I have relationships with all of those. But sometimes, somehow, I think that gets confused or misconstrued. And we start thinking, I'm with this guru, you're with that guru, she's with that guru. And um, that cooperation, even that sense of community, it can be undermined. So... What are your thoughts on that? How, is that a problem? Is it, is it just a couple chats here and me making things up? Or do you, do you think that is a real problem and or could be a problem? And if so, how do you think we should address it? And how do we how do we overcome that? <laughs> um, Anutama Prabhu, you are expert at answering your own questions while you're asking. 
asking the question. <laughs> I apologize for that. This this is one if you could perhaps tell I feel pretty strongly about the the, the, the concerns that this may bring up. Um, I'll add to your answer. <laughs> please, please. Shed light at my, my little uh, superficial attempt at the planting yeah. some seeds and give us a broader, broader introduction. What does it mean to please the spiritual master or the guru? Um, it means to serve the will, the desire. And Srila Prabhupada, um, you know, all of his disciples, you know, we're all here for one purpose, to assist Srila Prabhupada in his mission. Hmm. And I, I remember, and I often cite this because it had a deep impact in my heart. I was in Brindaban in November of 1971. And Srila Prabhupada was just with a few people. I happened to be there. And he was asked, are you the guru of the whole world? And Srila Prabhupada, very sober and brave, he looked on the floor and he, he didn't say anything for several seconds. And then he looked up almost with tearful eyes and he said, I am the servant of everyone, that's all. That was Srila Prabhupada's mood. And how he how he gave us all Krishna consciousness, as we were saying before, as our founder, he found us. He picked us up from the gutters of material illusions, and and, and brought us back to Krishna. So everyone in our movement, whatever our roles whether we're gurus, diksha gurus, or shiksha gurus, or temple presidents, or GBCs, or pujaris, or book distributors, or congregational devotees, or whether we're, whatever our role is, um, we're all just meant to serve together to fulfill Srila Prabhupada's desire. And Srila Prabhupada wanted a strong society. We see this beautiful opportunity in the temple of the Vedic planetarium where devotees from all different zones and all different areas with all different types of diction, shiksha gurus, you know, people were all trying our best for some for a project that will encompass everyone. Um, to the extent that each part of the body of Srila Prabhupada's movement is strong. It's meant to um, assist in making the whole body of Srila Prabhupada's movement strong. So um, the, as leaders, it's so important that we demonstrate this type of respect and cooperation with each other. His Holiness Bhakti Charu Swami Maharaj as an example you know, how much he was so interested in everyone's projects and how he was trying to help everywhere and how he had um, disciples who he initiated who were very much, you know, leaders in, in Los Angeles and in London and in South Africa and in India and Mayapur and Ujjain and so many places. And they, they were pleasing him and serving him by 
their cooperation with the local temple presidents to develop those local projects and and uh, and he and honoring and honoring all of his god brothers and god sisters and and vaishnavas so this is so very important if we really want to please our guru then we should know that our gurus um our shiksha gurus, our diksha gurus, whatever roles we may be playing, we're all trying to assist one another to assist Srila Prabhupada to make the Krishna consciousness movement strong in unity, in values, so that it could actually um, spread to, to uplift people who are suffering in this world. So you mentioned if we really understand the mission, the purpose, the desire of the guru, and you gave the example of Bhakti Tumaraj, we understand the guru's mood, then we also as disciples, disciple means to be disciplined. So if we understand this broad vision, inspiration, desire of the guru to see everything working cooperatively together to please Krishna, then as disciples, we, we need to enter into that same mood as well. We may think, well, I'm a a good disciple because I'm so intent on serving my guru don't think about anything else but if I'm understanding you correctly if I'm serving my guru I have to be thinking about and serving everything else within this kind and and the world as you talked about earlier yes really is what, a what, I, what I tried to say is what you just said thank you I'm just like the moon reflecting your sunlight Thank you, Maraj. It really was a pleasure to speak with you. And, uh, and we had a lot of devotees listening. I'm sure there'll be more. They're recording, so there'll be more that we'll be tuning in later. I think it's, uh, <clears throat> it is really important, as you described, that we, we, we look at these purposes. And, and you're, I think, uh, especially qualified to speak about this third purpose because you have done so much with this idea of bringing devotees together, creating community, helping devotees understand it as you've, you've, you've shared some wonderful thoughts today about spiritual social activism, reminding us that Prabhupada found us, helping us re-remember re this emphasis on cooperation, bringing each other together. And uh, I hope that uh, everyone who spent time with us will, will take into their hearts what, what you've described and, and uh, given us some insights on into our own lives. Thank you very much. Thank you, Anutama Prabhu, and my sincere gratitude to all the devotees who are joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, Maharaj. And thank you all for tuning in. And please uh, pay attention to other very interesting interviews coming up with the GBC SPT team about the seven purposes and many other important spiritual topics and how to be better spiritual activists and spiritual players in our lives and be more Krishna conscious together. So thank everyone for paying attention. Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you for joining us, all of you. And Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.